From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Uh, let's go ahead and begin. And I really want to, we've finished the story of the lineage from Seth, or well, from Adam through Seth all the way down to Noah. And so that was where we left off in Genesis chapter 5. Now we're going to go to Genesis chapter 6. And um, we're going to see, we're going to see the story of the Nephilim. So let's, let's go and look at it. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward. When the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So, um... This is basically uh, Genesis chapter 6, and this is where we find the Nephilim. The Nephilim, well, let's go back and look at it. Here's some verse 4. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were heroes of old, men of renown. What was a train coming by? I don't know if you heard that. Uh, so, the question I have for you is, who are the Nephilim, right? What are the Nephilim? Is this um, only mentioned a few times in Scripture? They're definitely at, uh, they're definitely here before Noah. Uh, it appears from our reading that God's angry with uh, with the men, men of Nephilim, marrying daughters of human. They're called sons of men, sons of God. Uh, just not sure who the Nephilim are. So uh, I asked. Um, Someone this morning, early in the morning, when it was beautiful and cool and out on the porch, I said, who do you think the Nephilim are? And she said, they're, uh, they're giant creatures, they're aliens from outer space that came in and impregnated women on the earth. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a, good, a good idea. I don't know. Um, so maybe, maybe the Nephilim are aliens from outer space that come in and uh, impregnate women in our, in our race. And maybe, maybe we have some outer space DNA still in our in our world today. I don't know. I, I'd be curious to know when you get, uh, if you want to, I'd just be very, very curious to know kind of what you think the Nephilim are. If you have an opinion, if you've ever thought about this, send me a message, put something on Facebook, send me a note on YouTube. Uh, just let me know what you think the Nephilim are because obviously not a whole lot written in scripture and uh, I'd be very, very curious to know uh, who they are. So, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna spend some time on the Nephilim this morning. Uh, I see 
one person said that the English Standard Version says that they're thug tyrants. And the person who, uh, who I had the discussion with morning said, that's not at all what I said. Well, you know, we take away from those discussions what we hear, right? <laughs> all right, so, um, so we're going to spend some time on the Nephilim. Who are the Nephilim? Uh, they are mentioned again in Numbers chapter 13, verses 30 to 33. This is before uh, the Israelites get into the Promised Land. They sent out a skite, a, some scouts to look at the land of Canaan. And Caleb was one of them. And he quieted the people before Moses. And he said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, being Canaan. For we, are surely over, we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So I don't know how much help this is, right? Um, we, we have Caleb who wants to conquer the land of Canaan. Uh, we have other people who are bad actors with Caleb. They don't want to conquer the, the men of Canaan. And so they're giving this false report about what Canaan is. And so they're comparing the people in Canaan to be the Nephilim. So we know the Jewish people have always been curious about who the Nephilim. They're obviously powerful men. They live a long time. Uh, they might even be giants. Uh, and so when you're going to give a report and you want to give a false report, you say, well, the, the land is inhabited by the Nephilim. So we really have the Nephilim here, the concept of the Nephilim, but we don't necessarily know for sure that the Nephilim were there. Uh, there's a parenthesis that said the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. So at least we have anecdotally that the Israelites believed that the Nephilim are the sons of Anak. Um, and that they could still be around at that time, uh, and they're probably giants and fierce people. Uh, but we don't. I mean, this is kind of secondhand information about the Nephilim. I don't know if this really tells us a whole lot. So we got to dig a little bit deeper. And the fact is, there's not a whole lot deeper you can dig because there's just not a whole lot written about the Nephilim. But uh, if you look uh, online, if you do some searching, uh, you will find different theories about what or who the Nephilim are. And I'm going to present to you this morning five theories. Four of them are for one guy who wrote a paper. Uh, one guy is my own theory. And uh, we're just going to spend some time on those. The theories are this, the fallen angel view, the fallen angels overtake men view, the Sethite view, the fallen men view, and the genetics view. So those are the five views. There's probably more uh, and if I see in the comments that you want me to do another view, I'll spend some time on that maybe at a later time. Uh, but we're just going to spend some time on these views. And so the first view is what I would call the fallen angel view. And the fallen angel view is this. It, it, it's the sons of God are fallen angels and the Nephilim are a hybrid human angel species and maybe this is what the person i was talking to this morning said is that it's it's uh fallen angels and humans 
coming together to form a hybrid species, which we would call the human angel species. And this view is only reasonable because there are scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about the fact there are fallen angels. Let's just take a look at some of those this morning. So, for example, Job 1.6, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Uh, on another day, this is Job 2.1, On another day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before the Lord. So we have angels and Satan kind of joined together, and they're presenting themselves before God, and God is going to communicate the message to Satan and the angels that that they can do to Job what they whatever they're that God is allowing Satan and the angels to do to Job what what is going to happen to Job. So there's this view that there are angels communicating with God periodically, uh, and Satan and the angels are kind of in league at some level. But let's go to Job 38:7. While the morning stars stand together and the angels shouted for joy. So the morning star here, I believe, is Satan. And there, the angels are shouting for joy. Uh, and then 2 Peter 2, 4 through 5. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, the preacher of righteousness, and seven others. So here we have uh, Peter writing in his second epistle that God did not spare some angels when they sinned but he sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness, and that somehow that's tied into this story of Noah, uh, who preached righteousness and seven others. So that's about all we get on this whole fallen angel thing. And there's a lot of, there's a couple other things about fallen angels, but basically the theory is this, that at some level there were, there were fallen angels. We know Satan is perhaps the number one fallen angel, uh, and that others around him, and that God gave those dominion over the earth. And so um, these are, according to this theory, there are fallen angels uh, who were then given dominion over the earth before Noah. And somehow these fallen angels start uh, having relations. They knew uh, the women of men. They came together and they created this hybrid species of fallen angels, mankind, right? They're 50%, you know, they're part angel, part mankind. And that's what uh, that's what we have here as the Nephilim. Now, uh, there's a couple of issues with the fallen angel view that really are difficult to reconcile. One of them is that we do not know much about angels, but we do know about other species. And other species have a hard time creating subspecies with in other words, you can't breed a cat and a dog together and create a dog-cat species. There's this thing called DNA compatibility. And DNA has to be similar enough between two species, subgroups of species, so that they can procreate, right? I mean, even uh, donkeys and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and horses, they can procreate, but then their offspring are, no, are, fer are infertile, right? So, I mean, there's, there's some basic... Uh, I think the same thing is true with uh, zebras and horses. I mean, there's there's some species you can try to force to procreate, but normally it doesn't happen. And when they do procreate, uh, they are normally sterile. You know, there's there's bad things that comes out of that. So how do you have humans and angels procreating? That's number one. Number two, 
They're called here the sons of God, you know, taking the sons of men. Well, in the New Testament, the sons of God is really actually a very positive term. They are people who are in God's favor. They're called the sons of God for a reason. Um, I guess you could say, well, they're called the sons of God because they have superhuman strength. You know, this this human uh, God, this human uh, fallen angel hybrid had superhuman powers, and so we call them gods or sons of gods, as an as as that the fact that they have superhuman powers or whatever. But um, I I. Uh, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, number three, Joshua did not wipe out the Anakites. So if they're somehow related to the Anakites, then that means they're still with us, the Nephilim. There could still be Nephilim. So, uh, and if you look on the, uh, oh, the Sasquatch or the Bigfoot Society, you know, look at their webpage. They go back to these types of things to prove that the, that the Nephilim are still existence with us, but they're called Sasquatch or Bigfoot, right? <laughs> Uh, also, the Nephilim were also after the post-flood event. Now, if we go back to Genesis 4a, it says the Nephilim walked the land and also uh, later years. So according to Genesis, the Nephilim would still be in existence after the flood event. Well, that's very curious. How does that happen? Uh, verse 4 says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. So this is an interesting theory. Could be. Could be that it's angels and men, hybrid. Uh, and uh, that at some level, we still have angel DNA within some people in the world today, right? Very interesting theory. I don't know. We're going to go on to the next theory. And that is that the fallen angel actually comes to earth, but instead of impregnating women, the fallen angel comes to men and basically uh, possesses men on earth, right? So you have angels, they're fallen, they come to the earth, they cannot uh, procreate with the women, so they possess some men, uh, and then those men have relations with women. And so you might have demon-possessed hybrid uh you know, they're 100% human, but they're 50% demon-possessed and 50% non-demon-possessed women or whatever. It's called the fallen angels overtake the man view. Um, that's an interesting view also, but the question you have to ask yourself is why would they be called the sons of God? Um, and why would they be given an entirely different term? Um, this is just very strange. It's an interesting concept, but it would mean that demon possession started right at this point and that they have somehow worked their way into uh, into our world and we still have demon possession today because of the demon possession happened pre-flood. Uh, interesting view. All right. There's another view, which is probably the most popular view, uh, and this guy named Bodie Hodge. The other two views that I'm talking about, I'm taking information from Bodie Hodge. He wrote a paper about his four views of the Nephilim. And it seemed like an interesting paper, so I'm presenting most of it from his paper. So he calls this the Sethite view. And these are godly lineage from Seth, from Adam to Seth to Noah. And they're 100% they're human. So basically, these are righteous people from Adam to Seth to Noah. They're 100% offspring, but they're just 
righteous people, okay? For some reason, they have an affinity to following the laws of God. They're called the righteous people. They're godly men. Um, and so God calls them the Sethite or the Nephilim. They're, they're basically godly men. But if you look at it, you know, verse four, God's kind of angry here. So I'm not entirely sure this makes a lot of sense. Um, why would they be called godly men, right? Only in the, in the lineage from Adam to Noah, only one person is called righteous, right? And that was Enoch. Um, and then everybody post-flood, right? Because Noah is in the line of Seth and Noah is on the ark. So everybody on the ark is this line of, of uh, Seth. And, and we know that everybody on the ark is righteous, so there's some, some stuff there. Um, but basically, they're 100% human. They just happen to be uh, in the line of Seth, and so they're godly men. And, uh, and they're the ones that, that God saves at the flood. He doesn't save other godly men in the line of Seth, but he just saves Noah and his family, and, uh, and that's basically who they are. All right, that's called the Sethite view. And then the last one that Bodhi Hoj has is called the fallen men view, that not all of Seth's offspring are godly, but they include some godly. The offspring are still 100% from Seth. They're 100% human, but they're called sons of God as a quote-unquote righteous term. Uh, these are the people who, so you have a people who fall away from God in a severe way. Um, so this view uh, includes all of the righteous from Seth, but some of them, for whatever reason, fall away. Now, it's interesting is that if you look at Nephilim, Nephil, uh, which is a Hebrew term, means to fall. So you could have fallen angel, you could have fallen men, you could have fallen condition, uh, Nephil, maybe, and you know, etymology isn't always perfect. Sometimes, you know, words change a lot. Nephilim could be totally different from that. Uh, but basically, under this view, the fallen men view, is that there are people in the line of Seth who are, uh, who are fallen away. Line, Seth's line is a godly line, but you have fallen away people who are now the angels on Seth's line, but they've fallen away. They're not, they're not angels. They've fallen away. They're godly men. They're 100% men. Uh, they've just fallen away. So basically, it's the bad, the bad seed, right? You have... Good people from the line of Seth, but there's this bad seed that falls away, and now they are the Nephilim in the earth. Now, I, I don't really buy into any of these, okay? And I think the reason I don't buy away into any of these is because it seems like there is this pre-flood, you live to be about 900 years, right? But post-flood, it gets bred out of you, and you know now you're at 120 years. And God even says, now mankind is only going to live 120 years in the same passage. So this is my theory, and I don't know if it, it you will find out when we get to heaven. But this is you know I've thought about this a long time, and uh, for many 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 years. Uh, and this is kind of my theory, and it's called the genetic view that in Adam and Eve there was a gene called the live-a-long-time gene. And this live-a-long-time gene was definitely in Adam and Eve. When they came together, all their children lived a long time. 
But as they started breeding and dispersing the genetic material, uh, you had some people that lived 900 years, and then all of a sudden you have a person that only lives 120 years, right? And why is it? It's because they got some sort of subdominant gene. And if you know, look at genes, right? You have dominant and, and recessive genes, and they come together, and that's how we have different hair color and eye color and all that sort of thing. Well, maybe there was a dominant gene, or maybe it was a recessive gene, like two recessive genes, that if they paired together, you lived a very, very long time, like 900 years. Uh, but that as this started to disperse, uh, you ended up having fewer and fewer people that ended up with that longevity gene. So that um, by the time we get to Noah, uh, pretty much everybody had the non-living gene in them at some level, and so everybody was not living long. It got dispersed uh, in subsequent generations uh, to the point where nobody has that dominant live-a-long-time gene. Now, this, to me, just is the only thing that makes sense. And I, and I you know, the other views, I, there's no right or wrong on this. There's no, you've got to believe one particular way. I'm just throwing this out there that it does seem to be that at creation, in order for humankind to really massively uh, populate the earth, you had to have Adam and Eve live for a very long time and, and create a lot of humans. And as they live a long time and create a lot of humans, those humans start dispersing and going around, you know, different places. And under this scenario, my, my you know, gene theory th scenario, um, God kind of knew that at some point the earth would have enough humans to really kind of be okay. And then he, you know, shuts off that gene through genetic dispersion and uh, people no longer live 900 years. Now they live 120 years. So this is my theory on this. Uh, it's only a theory. We won't know until we can ask God. Uh, it could be that God turned off the long-lived gene. I mean, John, God says now, you know, before it was 900 years, but right here before the flood, God is saying, okay, 120 years is about it. <clears throat> That's all you get. And um, it's all fun to speculate. I mean, the whole idea between Genesis 4 and 5 and 6 is that this is pre-flood humankind. And uh, it's interesting to just look at and think about the Nephilim are really interesting uh, creatures to think about. Um, the one thing is, is that this David Sinclair that I mentioned yesterday is looking at the genes of humans to figure out, is there a longevity gene? And he may, you know, if my theory is correct, there is, a, there could potentially be a gene splicing that we could put in humans to get them to live 900 years. Now, would you want to do that? I don't know. Um, but it, even in Genesis, pre-flood, you know, the maximum time a person can live is about 900 years. So um, it's interesting to think about. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to live 900 years. I'd be perfectly happy with 80 or 90 years. Um, but it's, uh, we don't know the answer to it. So, and when it comes to things that we don't know the answer for definitively, if God does not specifically describe what the Nephilim are, then you and I are completely free under Christian freedom to kind of speculate and guess and do whatever we want. 
Uh, and the thing we're not allowed to do is to judge somebody and say, you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. You're not in the kingdom because you don't believe a particular way about the Nephilim. That we are not free to do. But we are free to speculate. So that's who the Nephilim are. I mean, that's, that's, that's the discussion on the Nephilim. And it is kind of fun. And if any of you want to send me a note about what you think the Nephilim are, I'd love to talk about it. Uh, I, I can bring it up. If you want to say, don't tell, you know, don't say who I am, but this is my idea, but then I'll keep it private and we can discuss it. But we will move out of Genesis uh, 6, the first part, and move into the lineage of Noah and the story of Noah uh, starting tomorrow. And uh, so uh, a little bit of a short lecture to get through all these little things today, but um, I'm just so grateful that you joined me. Uh, if you have any, you know, if God gives you a vision of what you think the Nephilim is, send me a note because I'd really be curious. Because this is one uh, in many Bible studies I've talked about and, and people have wondered, often wondered about. And so uh, we all have our own view. I like the genetic view. It's the only one that makes sense to me. I'm probably wrong, so don't listen to me. Anyway, let's close in prayer. Dear God, um, we don't know who the Nephilim were, and you did not choose to give us a lot of details on that. Uh, so we're anxious, Lord, to see you face and face, to face to face, to see when all things are revealed to us, kind of all these questions in the Bible, what they, what they meant. Um, but we are comfortable not knowing because we know you, and we know that you care for us and you love us. God, be with our world in this time of trial and stress uh, for so many reasons, Lord. We lift up our, our world and our country, our community to you. Uh, keep us safe and bring us again tomorrow uh, together as we continue to study uh, your wonderful book of Genesis. In Jesus' name, amen.